Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome back to the show. How did winter break treat you? Did you commune with winter wolves on the solstice? Did you catch a peek of the elusive jolly fat man on Christmas? Did you knock back a few cold ones with the Krampus and play gin rummy until the wee hours of the morning? Or did you just binge watch every scrap of media that featured Alton Brown in a festive mood? Because I know I definitely did. The past two weeks have been quite the roller coaster if you haven't heard the news in the event that you've been living under a rock or within the radio free zone behind the local arby's dave won an upset victory in the student presidential elections and then was disqualified dave won and then and only then was he disqualified let me explain let me paint the egregious picture of election fraud for you my dear listeners as though i were some sort of irate clone of Bob Ross with trouble keeping her voice down. Election day came and you, the Bridgemont College community, really did our democratic process proud. I personally have never seen so many people showed up, bundled to your noses, ready to cast your ballot in favor of progress. At least I assume that that's what you were all doing, depending, you know, based on the final count. Uh, Volunteers ran out of complimentary hot cocoa and miniature pencils within the first 45 minutes. Just as Margie wished, you all crashed the voter turnout rate. We have a wider than ever sample for exit polls, and all that data makes for the next part of this story makes it more disturbing. Once the voting was done and the boxes collected, as well as a few oddly well-dressed saboteurs apprehended clutching fistfuls of doctored ballots in favor of a certain well-financed candidate, the count began. I was filled in on the numbers as they came in, not only because of my reputation as a journalist and station during the live coverage of the results, but also because of my friend Alex, a poli-sci major who was helping to sort those ballots. Then it happened, listeners, the moment that we had all collectively held our breaths for, some of us for much longer than is medically recommended. With an overwhelming 85% of the vote, my good friend Dave Kingston cinched the nominations and his rightful seat as student body president. Oh, we partied, listeners. I broke out that case of artisan ginger ale that I had been saving. My girlfriend Lana made some magical peanut butter bite things. My friend Leroy Specknot paid for catering. And I can still taste the decadent char on that gold leaf and truffle encrusted out of season Pacific salmon. Oh god, so can I. Jack helped to monitor the buffet and the resulting conga line and Dave sat back in the Eli dorms only non-janky recliner. I think he was in shock in all honesty, but The good kind of shock. Like winning an international championship after being given an inspiring speech by your coach, except that you were the coach and you gave the inspiring speech and you won the whole damn thing too. He broke out of his shell after a bit and started thanking literally everyone around him with that classic Dave enthusiasm until we told him to maybe chill out a bit and just enjoy himself. It was a great night, listeners. So great, in fact, that those of us with any might of awareness probably should have seen it coming. As we all awoke the next morning amidst the remnants of plates, a few lonesome solo cups, and the innards of party poppers, we were greeted with some shocking news. In what this reporter considers a hasty and anti-democratic move on the part of the administration in an effort to maintain the status quo, each of us, and I assume the rest of the student body, received an email, a form of communication that in this case rivals the text message breakup. This email stated that due to several recently incurred student conduct violations outstanding on Dave's record, his candidacy for student body president, even after having soundly won, was suspended and thus disqualified. These infractions in question, all for destruction of school property, appeared to refer to the actions of the PIC on Halloween night, wherein the club discovered what looked 
like a cover-up job of the old radio station, complete with glowing green microphone. Now please understand that I've had a good many days to calm down since the decision was first announced to the student body. The moment I heard it the first time, I went down and punched a vending machine so hard I sprained my wrist and sent a waterfall of stale and possibly fossilized peanuts cascading over the floor. Seriously, you guys, there was like 20 pounds of peanuts shooting out of that vending machine like it was barfing Georgia's GDP. Seriously, I have a reference for that because Les ate too much celebratory bread pudding and I was holding their hair back half the night. I don't even know how those peanuts got there, let alone the walnuts and the pecans. Though, I guess it does explain why the vending machine hasn't worked for months. I have a theory about that actually. Lana's roommate Wesley is a bio major and suggested that the squirrels around campus might have been using that vending machine as a stash during the winter. Apparently the like increasing urbanization of the campus and the surrounding areas has forced the squirrels and every other arboreal rodent to adapt. I think it's a sound theory since every time it rains the gutters around the Eli dorm are just spitting nuts. That makes it sound like the Eli dorm is a front for the squirrel mafia or something. I am not adverse to this idea, but I think we'll have to discuss it another time. Anyway, back to the story, listeners. Please keep in mind that while this destruction of property did occur, Dave is nothing if not a perfectionist when it comes to making sure that every piece of the PIC's activities is above board. He once refused to perform a much-needed emergency exorcism due to the fact that he still had not received the relevant paperwork back from the administration regarding a clause in the student handbook about chanting in the Rebecca dorm being disallowed. When Dave immediately went to the administrative offices to question their verdict with copies of the permits he filed in triplicate, all allowing him to investigate under any means necessary, the administration's response was simply that they had no record of any such filings, and as such, our investigation on that night was neither sanctioned nor condoned. This was said in the blatant face of seeing the copies of said forms Dave was waving in their faces. The very people who had signed them saw their own signatures upon the pages and told him that they had never seen those papers before in their lives. Given that I went with Dave after taping my wrist, I can give you listeners a first-hand account of the attitude I observed on the administrative side, and I can only describe it as feigned ignorance and smugness. As a journalist, this kind of bureaucratic mishandling filled me with rage so potent my muscles started cramping, desperate to revisit the table-flipping fiasco of freshman year's club social. But Dave, being the bureaucracy major that he is, was much more patient and asked a few questions before having to pull me out of the specnop building as I was understandably filled with an outrage so potent it rivaled my feelings upon finding out that an unqualified misogynist had been elected to the presidency last year. From what he assured me, the administrative faculty we spoke to didn't seem to actually know what they were talking about and couldn't distinguish between several forms Dave asked about, leading him to believe that this decision was made by someone much higher up. Someone without walk-in hours. This suggestion has only further fueled the fire of my suspicions of systemic corruption- Sonya, maybe not right now. Fine. Yeah, fine. You're right. I'm sorry. In addition to disqualifying Dave, the administration also sent a letter requesting that we return any and all items of property we, we obtained on Halloween night. That area of the building, by the way, as you psych majors probably already know, has been majorly cleaned up. So majorly cleaned up, in fact, that you would never recognize it as a studio. If nothing else good came out of that night, it was that the source of the leak was finally found and fixed, allowing students to finally study Lacan without wondering whether dampness was a condition indicative of their infancy. Regarding the items in question obtained on Halloween night, the microphone, which is really the only thing the PIC took, has mysteriously vanished. 
Following an attempted exorcism that didn't quite stick, Dave and Ilya sequestered the severely haunted object in a spook-proof bag for later processing. For all you listeners concerned that you might also have paranormal items in your dorms, Dave posted an easy how-to video on his feed showing you how to make your own spook-proof bags. It's actually really easy. Just like a sheet of aluminum, some powdered silver, another sheet of aluminum, some cloth soaked in holy water. I bagged this peanut butter sandwich I found behind my bed when it started glowing green and howling at me. Honestly, dude, I think that was just the invasive mold species that had made the sandwich its home. It looked like similar to the stuff that grows in our dishes when Dave doesn't wash them, except your specimen was phosphorescing, which suggests natural gases, and my dishes were blinking at me, which is more in line with otherworldly intrusion. Yeah, I guess. But you can never be too careful. That is completely true, actually. Listeners, make sure to always wear gloves when touching inanimate objects suddenly animate. Uh, now, where were we? Oh, yes. (laughs) As you listeners probably know, we weren't at the end of the surprises after Dave had been disqualified. Oh, no. As it turned out, in a twist of fate that I can only assume put a wrench in some administrative plans once Dave was out of the running, the votes for the other candidates, Marjorie Olferson and Fitzgerald Phillips, were counted up and carefully scrutinized. And get this, listeners. They tied. They fucking tied! With an even 7% each, the final 1% left as an outlier. The heads of the Purple Party and the Thistle Safflower Alliance were sworn in as co-presidents, much to the deep discomfort of both leaders. From what I've heard, Margie and Fitzgerald have had a hard time agreeing on basically anything, and that's when they even both show up to the meetings. Additionally, You may remember Margie speaking about the super comfy student body president's chair. Well, due to an arcane bylaw in the student handbook in which chairs symbolize the balance of power and sitting in separate unequal chairs would symbolize an unfair distribution of said power, Margie and Fitzgerald have been sharing the one chair for the past several days. This is quickly becoming known as the one-cheek presidency, and given the diverging points of view both these co-presidents possess, they hardly have another cheek to turn. Better not skip leg day. In another startling piece of news, head of the V Club and my personal nemesis, Charlotte, has vowed to investigate the suspicious process behind Dave's suspension. While I can't blame the girl for sniffing out juicy stories, and I admit to feeling a little jealous given my position in all this mess, I have to say I'm glad all this hubbub has created as much publicity as it has. Starling Rhodes of the Bridgemont Birdie wrote a front page op-ed about the scandal, and even several Bridgemont community reporters and reporters from other parts of the county have interviewed Dave, among others, on this upset. I can only hope that with so many eyes on this situation, that answers are dug up, even by any means necessary. Dave appears to be taking all this quite well, actually. After getting over his initial shock, the bad kind of shock this time, Dave made the public statement that he would fight against injustice whenever he could on campus, and even without technically winning the presidency, or rather being awarded it, he still feels the work he's done to raise awareness and get people involved in the process has helped the Bridgemont community to seek greater unity, commitment, and involvement. And I have to agree with him on that. Dave's a real great dude. Oh, Sonia, it's almost time for the thing. Oh, hey, you're right! Well, listeners, we have to follow up on our appointment Doris made for us with the college president. Let me tell you, this makes for a convenient opportunity to take this issue to the top. And I plan on doing just that. While we head over to the president's sanctum, why don't you take and listen to an ad? Help a business out. And by business, I also mean us, because they didn't pay us to run this after all.
Whoa! Coming soon to downtown Bridgemont. Lieutenant Venny's Radical Venison Shack. If you want the best in flavor, tubular decor, and bodacious prices that'll drop jaws and waistlines, swing by Lieutenant Venny's Radical Venison Shack. We've got the meat with feet that can't be beat, and you'll be loving our wide selection of juicy choice gear. Also, check out our brand new redesigned baller dollar menu for our house-made cinnamon dough bites. Who knew you could get hand-breaded 100% white meat venison for a buck and change? We're even offering an exclusive chipotle dipping duck sauce to catch you on the upswing and keep you from wiping out. So come crash at our extreme new location, coming soon to downtown Bridgemont, Lieutenant Benny's Radical Venison Shack. Feel like the garbage you are. Lieutenant Venny's Radical Venison Shack, name and likeness, property of Megacorp Food Industries. And we're back, listeners, right outside the college president's office, or the president's sanctum if we're being official. Why is the president's office on the top floor of the Svegnop building? That climb killed me! Beats me. I guess they think fewer people will make appointments when they realize there's no elevator in this place. Which, again, Bridgemont College, accessibility, not your strong suit. Anyway, I'm in full radio gear and will 100% be pulling the freedom of the press and one-party consent laws if I'm asked to go off the air. That weird singing. What? Oh, um, I'm not actually sure. From what I've heard, the President's Sanctum is the only part of campus where the walls are largely composed of this weird mineral mixture, mostly quartz and silica. It's actually very common as there are large deposits of it under and throughout Bridgemont. I think the crystals in the walls hum as they tap into otherwise unperceivable energies. Who told you all that? Dude, it's in the student handbook. Uh, trust me, I've been reading that sucker cover to cover after all this, but they've went down. Turns out there are an awful lot of interesting rules in that ancient and slightly outdated tome of restrictions. The whole handbook? Sonia, that thing's 600 pages! 607, to be exact? And I know. Uh, Lana helped. Her pre-law training made a ton of difference with some of those limitations. <sighs> yeah, I guess. Wait, did you say quartz? Like the stuff that other Noel found in those caves? Oh shit, yeah, I kind of forgot about that. You know, <laughs> quiet, office lady's coming. He's ready to see you now if you wanna go in. Wait, Doris, babe, what are you doing here? I thought you were a front desk kind of person. Ordinarily, yes, but you remember how I said scheduling meetings was like 40% of my job? Yeah? Filing papers at various levels of the building and all over Central Campus is the other 60%. Oh, well, I guess that explains it. Thanks, Doris. Much obliged, Doris. No problem. Please stop calling me Doris. You got it. Good evening, Ms. Romaine, Mr. Jameson. I understand you have some questions for me. Oh, sir, do I? Well, feel free to start whenever you're comfortable and ready. Please, take a seat. Yeah, sure. Okay, let's 
just jump right in. Please state your name for the record, sir. Oh, you can just call me President Felix. Fantastic. Felix, uh... Uh, President Felix, please. Don't get too familiar, you know. Don't want anyone to accuse me of fraternization. Well, uh, that's a very interesting thing you just mentioned. What exactly is the policy on fraternization? I've been studying the student handbook rather extensively and haven't found any particular instruction on how that policy functions. This is especially concerning to me given that the faculty have been reprimanded for this infraction, and I'm sure students have been as well. Would you like to clarify this particular infraction for the official record? Well, I would love to be of assistance with that, Ms. Romaine. I would, however, like to make the statement that the completely amended version of the student handbook has that particular infraction outlined perfectly well. And I'd like to make it perfectly clear that anything I say is an abbreviated version of the official ruling, which you, like every other student, can find in the library on campus. The fraternization rule is pretty strictly an appropriateness defined rule in which the faculty or staff member cannot in any way take the well-being of a student into their own hands without the consent of said student, cannot manipulate the student into any activities in which they would normally partake in, and general compliance with Title IX and other appropriate laws. The only addition outside of the legal requirements enforced upon us by state and federal governments would have to be that faculty and staff generally should not form personal relationships with a student in any way that would affect the student's future as a continuing student here at Bridgemont. Hmm, interesting, sir. I'm surprised that this rule isn't more explicitly covered by the student handbook as it is handed out to the student body. Especially considering how stringent with it the HR department seems to be in cataloging that particular infraction. Well, the version you all receive is highly abbreviated. The full version is about 1,200 pages after all. Can't have anyone hurting themselves carrying that around with them as all, at all times as you're supposed to. That would be a big problem with liability. Well. I guess that explains the health and wellness club being so integral to campus. Also, you said that that is available in the library, correct? Yes, generally. Hmm. Thanks. I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. Moving on, I'm very interested in knowing your exact opinion on why frontrunner and unofficial winner of the student president election, Dave Kingston, was disqualified, and why after he had won in a landslide. It's not as though the source of alleged infractions hadn't happened two months prior, and also those infractions, in the support reporter's opinion, are contestable at best and trumped up and outright false at worst. You understand bureaucracy, Ms. Romaine. It takes a long time to sort things out. Unfortunately, the relevant paperwork regarding his infractions had gotten tied up. Oh, yeah, it fucking did. Sonia, calm down. Yeah, no, that's fine. Do you personally feel like this was the proper channel for the administration to take? Well, I'm neither opposed to the actions taken by the administration, nor terribly impressed by the choices that they make most times. They have a tendency to act more rashly than I am accustomed to in my previous job experience. Generally, my positions have been a bit more <laughs> hands-on. Well, you are a literal demon, so that kind of makes sense. Don't be rude, Jack! 
Sorry, President Felix, he's from out of town. No, no, it's no problem. Are you ready to move on? Um, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, so, I, and all of my listeners, I'm sure, are extremely interested in the current whereabouts of former faculty member Mrs. Hattie Palms. Additionally, I would like to be told again exactly what her reasons for leaving were and why. As my sources have informed me, all paperwork related to Mrs. Palms has outright banished from the semi-public record. Yes, I've been made aware of your previous visit to my abode. Well, unfortunately, I'm not aware of where Ms. Palms has gone since retiring. We generally cease keeping tabs on our employees once they leave our employ. Generally. Generally. Any chance you spoke with her during her exit interview? Maybe she mentioned where she was intending on going after retiring? Any particular reason for her egressor? As to the reason for her leaving, I'm not terribly sure. I'm sure a woman such as her, who had been teaching for so long, was ready to embark on her next big adventure. I didn't actually conduct her exit interview myself, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, uh, who did then? That's unfortunately confidential. Yeah, fucking course it is. Sonia, Sonia, calm. Yeah, fine. <laughs> President Felix, what is your take on the numerous disappearances of students throughout Bridgemont history? We have evidence of at least one Tyler Skull, among others, whose entire existence was seemingly wiped from reality itself. Well, Miss Romaine, if such a student did attend Bridgemont, and their existence was in fact wiped from reality, how should I know anything about them? Bridgemont itself is an odd place, and odd things happen all the time. You should know that by now. I mean, you are a local, after all. I thought you would say that. Well then, what do you have to say about the former radio station which we discovered walled off to the detriment of the building itself in the psychology building? Surely you can't deny any knowledge of that. Budgetary concerns are always difficult, and I admit the administration has been considering renovating the psychology building for many years, but have not found the funds to support it, especially with so many accidents on campus, for, for instance. The funds needed to repair the cafeteria? Sir, with all due respect, the administration has been doing little to nothing to help rebuild the cafeteria. From what my research has shown, the only money going into that are the donations and food drive proceeds generated by students. Actually, on that note, what is the digitization fee on our student tuition going towards? Digitization fee? Well, I'm not entirely sure there, kiddo. I'd certainly take that one up with accounting. I'm majority a figurehead and handle dealing with VIPs and large financial disbursements for the college. Billing is... Well, beneath me. <laughs> Interesting. Fantastic. You're such a good interview subject. Has anyone ever told you that? Anyhow, moving on, in relation to VIPs, why exactly is the policy so strict on visitors? They have been here much longer than the school has even existed, and I find it interesting that the policies are enforced to such a, an extent, despite them being fairly harmless. Well, I would hardly call mass abduction harmless, Ms. Romaine, but honestly, I find it inappropriate to speak about this given Mr. Jameson's outstanding conduct infraction regarding the debacle last year. I said I was sorry! Yes, yes, I'm aware. But to address your 
question more fully, the policy is in place to make the campus a safer, more protected space. That's astoundingly surprising given the propensity for students on campus to go missing, turn up dead due to the Job Dorm's questionable attributes, and transfer out at, frankly, alarming rates. Unfortunately, we are working on our retention rates as a part of our five-year plan. The transferal rate for the school is certainly abysmal. We're doing a lot to renovate the Job Dorm as well, but it may come down to having to condemn the building in the end. The building has been proving to be rather uncooperative of late. Regardless, these are all things that the campus is working on. Myself and Clark Bowen are working on drafting our campus safety data sheet as well, based on the real number of crimes on campus. Bullshit. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Speaking of the Job Dorm next year, uh, what the fuck is up with that? Honestly, your guess is as good as ours. Bad Earth. A curse? Probably the point of some horrible murder? Definitely nothing demonic. Definitely. Maybe an ancient burial ground? Could honestly be anything. We're working on it. Sure, fine, yeah. Finally, related to the previous radio studio, I want to ask about Chester LeBeau. He was a longtime faculty member who just disappeared one day. We have some reason to believe that he may have been murdered on this campus, and there are no traces of him anywhere else in the school records, which is highly suspicious. Uh, what answers can you offer about Chester LeBeau's departure from the school and or current whereabouts? Well, I'm afraid Mr. LeBeau's time at the college is from before my own, and thus I am in no way informed as to his activities or agenda while he spent his time here. I also know nothing of his whereabouts, but if he retired from Bridgemont College, I'm certain he did so willingly and with benefits, just as Professor Palms did. Well, sir, thank you so much for your time. This has been very enlightening, I'm sure. I'm pleased to hear it. Feel free to make another appointment any time you have more questions that need answers. Well, that's it for prepared questions that I have. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be back to spit. I mean, talk again. Sonia, we have places to be. We certainly do. Thanks for your time, Felix. That's president. So, was he completely full of shit or just like partially full of shit? No, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, but that just confirms what we already thought, that the administration isn't going to tell us shit. God, this is just frustrating. I really need a shot of, like, espresso or something. Tofer via campus Pigeon Legion and tell him to put on a pot while we're heading back. Okay, thanks, dude. Well, listeners, we're going to be walking back now, so please enjoy our musical selection for the evening while we work on, you know, walking. See you're coming back to you now. 
certainly frustrating and not at all what I wanted out of my evening. Not kidding. The worst part about it is that we're back where we started. Square one, first base, without even a handful of juicy clues to tease our sleuthing senses. Here's the coffee, Sonya. Black with cinnamon. Like Jack asked. Thanks, Gopher. Just, uh, set the pot on that stack of papers, will you? Hey, 
remembered that. Isn't that that souvenir manga brought you from that weird outpost when Les and I were hiking the AT? Yeah, it sure is. I thought mm. you lost it, or else destroyed it and lied about it to make me feel better. Jack! I would never do that! With beverage receptacles. Uh-huh. No, it was in that box that Hattie left for me in the staff lounge. The one Clark Bowen gave you? Yep. Turns out all that was was a few things I left in her office and some, some like, books she intended to lend me. I'm not sure how this mug didn't get broken when her office got trashed, but hey, look at all this stuff. Some mystery novels, chain letter printouts. Hey, here's my yo-yo! I asked for months for her to give me this bag. You shouldn't have been walking the dog during our lecture. I had you as a stickler for that kind of thing. <laughs> True that. Hey, look, here's another picture of the three of us and Dave. This was at the, uh... The Founders Day Festival slash championship game, wasn't it? See, there's the big paper mache bust of the Bridge Mount Antilion. She wrote on the back, too. Really? Huh. Your handwriting is as loopy as ever. Good kids, Sonia. <laughs> Where do you think we ought to go from here? Well, considering the administration isn't going to tell us shit, we took it all the way to the top, Jack, and the president isn't interested in giving us answers, no surprise there. I think we're kind of back to square one. We have to find Hattie. If we want answers, we're really just going to have to find her. But we have no leads. We don't even know where to start looking. Look, somebody has to know something. A person like her, who's been a member of the community for 70 years, doesn't just up and vanish and no one know anything. But... But I'm just so frustrated! Ouch, shit. Sonia, jeez, knock the coffee pot over and everything. It's all over these papers. Do you have any paper towels? No, God, I'm sorry. I just wish... Sonia? What? What is it? Isn't this the flyer for the Schrodinger's Club? Yeah, and... Didn't Hattie say the club met at her house? Jack? Look, she said her address was on... Jack, you're a genius! I haven't been through that sack of papers in months! No fucking wonder I... Son of a biscuit! What? What happened? Oh, fuck. The entire bottom half of the flyer with the coffee spilt just completely disintegrated. Damn compostable paper. What's even in that coffee? Industrial strength. Non-dairy creamer, my dude. Figures. Hey, but that's a lead. This is the first lead we've had in, like, months. We just need to find somebody who actually went to her house. But, Sonia, no one went to her house. That's the whole point of the club. She didn't have to do anything. And besides, nobody in the campus knows where she lives. We already asked. Okay. Then we need somebody off campus. Wait, what about that guy we met at the club social last year? Rob, Rob, Rick, Rick, the guy from the show. Think you'd know where Hattie lives? That sounds kind of like a long shot. It's our best option. In the meantime, get ready to cut the broadcast. I'm bushed. Can do. Well, my dear listeners, it's been quite the adventure. I'm sure you'd agree it's been a ruckus and a turmoil. I expect all of you to stay strong and be disciplined in your academic affairs. Seek out answers, question authority, and sign a petition once in a while. Sometimes a chair just needs to be broken. But for now, my dear listeners... We have a lead to follow, and you all have your own paths to pursue, full of greatness and goodness and sacrifices and hard work. It's kind of how things go, really, each of us contributing some small part of a larger web where some cosmic spider deity lurks, waiting for us to make the wrong move. 
I'm also realizing this coffee has done absolutely nothing for me. So good night, listeners, and we'll see you next time. Hey, Jack, can you come here for a sec? Yeah, sure, Sonia. What's up? Okay, so, like, I've listened to a few of those tapes. Wait, what? No, I, I know you told me not to, but I was worried about something I heard on that one that we all listened to together and listen here. What's this? It's a walkie-talkie. I mentioned it in the tape and said that you should keep it on you. I think this is probably why, because I'm giving it to you now. What are you talking about? This, Jack. Like, this whole thing. The administration doesn't give two shits about our safety. They obviously haven't done anything for the sheer reason that we talked about before. We're just too public right now. We only move if we're broadcasting live and if it's too sensitive to try and step in and do something. Like, but Jack, like, listen, dude, I'm a part of the community. Everyone knows me or my parents or like has heard of me from someone else. I'm the best friend of a major donor to the school, Jack. I'm that hot mess remain girl. Notoriety is still knowing. If I disappeared, it'd be like a pain to explain to literally a whole town full of people that I was gone. But fuck, Jack, you're like a sophomore from Podunk, Tennessee, and you talk to your family maybe, what, like three times a year? Nobody in town, like, knows you. If you disappeared, they could tell pretty much any story they wanted to. I've... Dude, I've thought about this a lot. Being able to communicate if something is up or something, like, something happens to you and, like... Sonia, Sonia, nah, it's okay. I'll take it. You don't have to convince me. Something I kind of saw coming eventually. Also, like, Sonia, you're not invulnerable, too. Be hard to cover up something like you going missing, but, like, it's hard for them to get rid of Chester. He was here for years, a piece of the community, the voice of the college for 30-ish years. It's hard to get rid of Hattie, too. Everyone remembers them, but they've got some sort of way of doing the hard things. We, I don't think we even know half of what's going on, and we can't even pretend like we're untouchable just because of the radio. Sonny, just keep it in mind. Walkie works both ways, Okay. Yeah, dude, I know. Just keep it on you. There's extra batteries on the way to swap out through the day if it gets to that point. But for now, here's the other piece to charge it. It's like a five mile radius. Hey, thanks. You're like my best friend, dude, of course. No, Dave's your best friend. I'm just your intern. No, chat, dude. You're like way more than that. for listening to this episode presidential address voice talent for this episode was provided by jared worley kathy simonelli alex wheeler neil cardell and me tina simonelli this episode was co-written by jared worley and tina simonelli and produced by tina simonelli me music this episode was true last boss by komiku band in a bar by tegerius amicus maeus by the anonymous choir holiday for strings and gay spirits both by david rose and his orchestra and Empowered Ending by Soft and Furious. Our feature music was The Vista's Missing Views by the Rope River Blues Band. And all of these songs can be found on the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. 
Thank you so much for your patience waiting for this episode, and we hope to be on track with our upload schedule soon. Sorry to keep you all waiting. We love every one of you, and if you love the show, please tell a friend about it. You can follow our show on Twitter at BCRS Late Nights, Tumblr at latenightsatsonyourromain.tumblr.com, subscribe to us on the podcast app of your choice, and even email us at sonyaromainbcrs at gmail.com if you so choose. We're always willing to talk to friends and fans of the show. A special thank you to Alex, at Cult of Trash on Twitter, for supporting the show on Patreon. You can also show your support of our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash bcrslatenights. Thank you so much for listening to our show and my vocal flubs because I can't read things that I wrote. Uh, And have a great day, and we'll see you next time.